This is Larry Bertrand welcoming you to another session of Explore the Bible series. We're in 2 Kings lesson number three, scheduled for August 7th, 2022. God honors people who demonstrate God's priorities. So the memory verse for today is James chapter 4, verse 17. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So as we look at 2 Kings chapter 12, verses 4 through 16, we will notice Joash's response to the lack of repair in the temple. We'll examine Joash's words to the priest and their responses in verses 6 through 8. We'll consider the different ways Jehoiada, the priest, had responded to Joash's criticism. And we'll reflect on how Jehoiada's actions honored God. So are you a to-do list maker? Or you just kind of go by chance and hope hope you don't forget something. I over the years, uh, there have been a major part of my career. I have been a, a list maker. In the early days, it was a list on sheets of paper or a card, something I carried around with me everywhere I went. Then it became electronic on my phone or my computer. Um, and so in these days of retirement, I, I, I take pride in being able to go to a grocery store without having a list and uh, coming home with everything that I hopefully had on my list. But, but I've discovered that after the list gets to be 10 or 12 items, uh, I'm going to start writing some things down because I don't want to take the chance that I'm going to forget. So we're going to look at... Uh, Joash, uh, making priorities list or ways that we decide what are the most important things. And sometimes you can put numbers by some, and these are the most important things. I got to accomplish these things on my list first uh, before I get to the other items on the list. And so we we will see uh, what what does the criteria used. And when we make a list, determine what our priorities are. I'll tell you what, you, you look at your checkbook, it's going to tell you what's, what's important in your life. The, the check register will determine that real quick. Today's session helps us better understand how God honors people who demonstrate priorities that reflect His priorities. So as we look at the context versus Chapter 11, 2 Kings, verses 1, all the way to chapter 16, verse 20. Uh, after Jehu, king of Israel, killed Ahaziah, king of Judah, Ahaziah's mother, Attilia, uh, assumed control over Judah. Uh, Jehoiada, the priest, uh, protected Ahaz's son, Joash, from Attilia's attempt to kill all the royal line. So after some time, Jehoiada arranged uh, with others to crown Joash as king, 
and Attilia was put to death. Jehoiada then helped bring spiritual reform to Judah, and Joash served the Lord well. He was one of those good kings. Very few of them found in Scripture. Joash oversaw the repair of the damage that occurred to the temple, and so we're going to see how that all works. He, he suffered defeat from Aram, and the servants conspired against him, and he was killed. We see that uh, chronicled in 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. Uh, Jehoaz becomes king over Israel and regularly battled King Haziel of Aram, Jehoaz's uh, son Joash, uh, also followed his father's evil ways. Meanwhile, in Judah, Amaziah becomes king and defeated uh, Edom soundly. However, when ch he challenged Israel to battle, King Joash of Israel uh, defeated him. Eventually, Amaziah's servants conspired against him, killed him. There's a lot of killing of one another, and appointed Azariah as his son. Well, we're going to continue on and look at today's lesson because uh, I don't want to cover any more of the background that's listed there, but you see it as it goes to the end of that section. So our focus in our study, we will see how King Joash uh, assigned task and made it a priority to complete the repair work on the temple. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 4, which is a parallel passage to our 2 Kings passage, we read, Joash took it to heart to renovate the Lord's temple. So that was his, if you will, priority. That was top of the list to renovate the Lord's temple. This is where we uh, entered the account of Joash in today's study and looking for how Joash responded to the neglected temple repairs. People had ignored the work of the temple. Uh, beautiful buildings like that required constant work. So let's look at the problem found in 2 Kings chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. While I read, listen for how well the initial plan for repairing the temple worked. The problem. Verse 4, Joash said to the priests, plural, collect all the money uh, that is brought as sacred offerings to the temple of the Lord and the money collected in the census and the money received from the personal vows and the money brought voluntarily to the temple. Let every priest receive the money from the treasures, then use it to repair whatever damage is found in the temple. Sounds like a great plan. 
But by the 23rd year of King Joash, the priests still had not repaired the temple. Therefore, King Joash summoned Jehoiada, the priest, and the other priest, and asked them, Why aren't you repairing the damage done to the temple? Take no more money from your treasures, but hand it over for repairing the temple. The priest agreed that they would not collect any more from the people and that they would not repair the temple themselves. It would be done by specific workers. So let me explain that the assessor had the job of determining the value of the silver that was collected in these collections. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more as we move along. So in verse 4, looking at the Bible Knowledge Commentary notes, Joash purposed to restore Solomon's temple, which had fallen in disrepair and had suffered major damage during Attilia's reign. She was not a good uh, monarch, and she had not done well with the temple. This was the first temple restoration project recorded in First and Second Kings, and the king planned to use the money brought by the people in the regular census offerings, in the vow offerings, and the free will offerings. These were all special offerings that were to be taken, and that money was to be used for the repair. But but this plan didn't work. Apparently, revenue from these regular sources was insufficient to support the priests and Levites and also to pay for the temple repairs. By the time the priests and Levites used it for themselves, there was nothing left. Joash's impatience with the priests uh, who were responsible for, for collecting the money suggests that they may have wanted to, to divert funds from their own for their own support. That's not the first time that's happened in history. They had been using the money given them by the priestly treasures for the regular expenses of temple service, which was probably legitimate. So Joash told them to stop taking money from the offerings for this purpose, since he was instituting a new procedure. Instead, they were to hand over what, what would have been collected in any way uh, to other men, workers, who'd be responsible to supervise the renovations. Uh, the priests agreed to separate this project from the regular temple service and to let other men be responsible for the repair. Let me point out that the king and the priest came to an agreement uh, that the priest would no longer be responsible for gathering the funds and making sure the temple was 
repaired and a new solution was needed. So as we get ready for this next section, Joash made a, a new plan for getting the temple repair work done and Jehoiada and, and the other priests supported this new plan. So let's look at the solution. We find those uh, listed in verse 9 through 12 of chapter 12. And we'll listen as I read for Joash's new plan for paying for the temple repairs. Verse 9, Jehoiada the priest took a chest and bore a hole in its lid. He placed it beside the altar on the right side as one enters the temple of the Lord. The priest who guarded the entrance put into the chest all the money that was brought to the temple of the Lord. Whenever they saw that there was a large amount of money in the chest, the royal secretary and the high priest came, counted the money that had been brought into the temple of the Lord and put it into bags. When the amount had been determined, they gave the money to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. With it, they paid those who worked on the temple of the Lord, the carpenters and builders and masons and stonecutters. They purchased timber and blocks of dressed stone for the repair of the temple of the Lord and met all the other expenses of restoring the temple. So I'm looking at notes from the Tyndale Bible Commentary. It, it indicates that the location of the collection box is kind of uh, at question. Uh, a lot of discussion in different commentaries about it. It seems to have been put beside the main altar at the right side as you look at the entrance. Yet verse 9 and chapter 24, 2 Chronicles 24, 8 implies that it was outside at the temple doorway. This led to the suggestion that there was a threshold altar kind of at the doorway. Others read beside the altar or read beside the altar. In other words, Jehoiakim column at the main entrance in the temple. So looking at verse 10 through 12, uh, three priests or groups of doorkeepers, if you will, were responsible for seeing that all the gifts went into the box and supervision and counting of the gifts was combined was a combined operation of temple and state. So it was the priests as well as uh, the king's people. The royal secretary was not uh, the the royal secretary was not a fiscal fiscal officer, and his uh, presence implies that the palace had direct control of the temple finances, equally with the clerical authorities. 
since coinage did not come become common until after the 5th century BC, the, the silver objects and fragments uh, were really, in essence, what they refer to as money. And so they counted the, quote, money, silver, and put it in bags. Uh, it was understood uh, it, in bags, or maybe it was wrapped. <laughs> think, if you will, we go to the bank and we get these little tubes and we put our coins in there and kind of count the right amount. And then we know that that's worth $5 or that's worth $2 or whatever. Um, it was understood to be wrapped and silver was commonly melted down in ingots. And they melt, when they melted down to silver, they weighed it. And then it was readily available to make payments and purchases that were necessary for the restoration of the temple. So when the people were assured that the money would really be used for the purpose for which it was given, they responded generously. And so similar arrangements were continued by Josiah. And so when accountability is uh, determined and uh, then people were generous. So, so how do people's financial practices reveal their priorities? You can tell what's important by how we spend our money, what we spend our money on. And so the people's generosity was an indication of two things. Number one, the temple uh, and its upkeep and the purpose of worship of God had become high priorities for the Israelites. And the second thing is Josiah's solution worked. <laughs> His plan was working. So we see in 2 Chronicles 24, verse 10, we find these details. All the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought the taxes and put it in the chest. Listen until it was full. <laughs> there was not enough room for any more collection. The people gave joyfully and in abundance. So we look at the third section of our passage, verses 13 through 16. As I read these verses, watch for details of how the money that had been collected would be used. Verse 13, the money brought into the temple was not spent for making silver basins, for wick trimmers, for sprinkling bowls, for trumpets, or any other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the Lord. It was paid to the workers to be used to repair the temple. They did not require an accounting from those to whom they gave the money uh, to pay the workers because they had acted with complete honesty. The money, the guilt offerings, the sin offerings, uh, were not brought into the temple of the Lord. It belonged 
to the priest. Wow, what a beautiful statement. Notice the evidence of integrity in the handling of the money was part of Josiah's new plan. It was a great plan. Wouldn't you agree? This story is a reminder that the handling of our money and financial obligations with biblical integrity uh, bears witness of our Christian faith. The Lord is honored as we honor him with our resources. And in turn, God honors that type of integrity. So again, looking at the Tyndale Bible Commentary notes, we see in verses 13 to 15 the, the prohibition of using the precious metal for ornamental or ritual objects rather than the fabric may imply some earlier misuse. Uh, it, had, it happened that there were extra funds after the essential repairs had been completed, which were then put to their decorative use. So the, the giving of block grants to the foreman demanded, uh, demanded on their honesty or, or dependent on their honesty or faithfulness. They were willing to pay these people because they were honest, they were faithful. Our use of money is always a test of our faithfulness. So income from guilt offerings used to make restoration and atone for offenses against others and sin offerings to atone for the sins against God, all those offerings were left to the priest. So how might a church bring honor or shame to the name of Christ through the way it oversees its budget? We can see how critical it is for integrity and right priorities to be always at the forefront. Well, applications are wonderful for us in this lesson. Leaders are accountable for their actions. Second application, God expects his people to take care of their financial obligations, and we do. And finally, believers a believer's integrity in business can further the cause of God's kingdom. So as we close, I want you to ask God to help us be people who give him first priority in our lives, especially as we look at today's lesson, especially in our finances. Well, I've got a wonderful hymn for us to consider. I'm going to read all six verses because you can't leave any amount. They're all important. Take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. 
Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite what I would hold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At the feet, its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Pray with me. Lord, we do say to you freely, take my life and let it be able to be used by you in whatever ways you choose. We are grateful for this lesson that reminds us that the priorities of our life should be, determined, should be determined by God and we should keep them at the forefront. In Christ's name, amen.